Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class of 2022. Today, we talk to Bruno Munoz, class of 2013, biomedical technician at TriMedX. Bruno will share with us how a family knack for electronics led to a career in biomedical devices and bioengineering. Joining us today from the class of 2013 is Bruno Munoz. Bruno, what do you do? Well, Mr. Turnbaugh, uh, I am a clinical engineer. Well, I work in the clinical engineering department for in Rush Hospital in Chicago. I My title is a biomedical engineering technician. So what I do with that is just I overlook, troubleshoot medical devices, making sure they're working properly, functioning properly, um, giving out the correct outputs, for example. Um, I'm really familiar with infusion pumps, so I'm just making sure those are running accurately. They're infusing at, you know, the programmed rate that the nurses use them for. So that's just like a little glimpse of what, what I do. I just overlook and making sure medical devices used in the hospitals are working at their best and optimal um, performance. You went off to UIC. Did you know that you wanted to uh, go into biology? What was your uh, what, what were the options that you had upon uh, graduation from WeGo? So I've always had a lot of pressure um, from my family. My dad's side was always a uh, medical field uh, in Mexico. So and he graduated um, from university with electrical engineering. So I already went into the mindset of like, okay, let me follow family tradition. Either I had the medical route or I can have the engineering route. So I was just doing my research and, you know, one, one of the, one of the results I got from finding, you know, mixing medical and engineering was the combination of biomedical engineering. So that kind of sparked my interest and I dove deeper into the field. Um, you know, I looked at the history of it. It's a fairly new field and study. Um, it came about maybe the 70s. Um, and that's because a lot of folks back in the day were dying from electrocution from medical devices. Um, so it, it just became like a, uh, it, it became a field in the, in the medical field uh, side of things where, you know, try to prevent accidents like that to happen but my family you know i had the combination between engineering and medical so that kind of just helped me guide my way to choose bioengineering uh why did you choose uic um i wanted to stay kind of local in a sense um but still have that space distance that will help me grow Uh, my train of thought was um i'll have the support if i need it 
um, and vice versa. But I, I would like to have a little distance between. It was kind of hard, you know, because my family always supported me. But in one sense, I, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to commute all the way to UIC from West Chicago. Um, so I chose UIC just so, um, you know, they got a rich history over there as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it just seemed like a, a fair choice for me. What were some of your favorite early classes that confirmed that you made the right decision that like, you know what, I, I like this field. Like, you know, cause sometimes students have an idea that this is what I want to do and then it doesn't work out, but you know, you, you had an idea and, uh, it, 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 it actually did work out. What were some of those earlier classes that kind of like, kind of, kind of entrenched you like I did make the right decision what, what do you remember what that was yeah so I did take well early on in in university you have the the general education classes um, but I also had some bioengineering classes that for example there was a uh, it had to do with using a coding uh, software where we would write a code but then it would transfer to moving a robotic arm um, so in that class for me was, whoa, this is pretty cool um, because you could control, in that class, you can control a robotic arm, but the point of the class was imagine doing that, but combining it, in it with a prosthetic. That's so cool. Now, Bruno, did you have any coding experience prior to that? I did not, actually. I, I did take intro to coding in school. Um, it was a little... It was a little hectic because it was something new. It wasn't a form of learning I was used to. Um, but it was really interesting to see that perspective of a language because coding is another language. What was the learning curve for you to kind of uh, go from a novice to then being able to operate a prosthetic and code? I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, there's there's all types of coding, right? You got Python, C++, Java. Um, so mainly what the UIC bioengineering uh, students would do is C++ and they eventually learn, go to MATLAB, which was a software that we used. Um, I, you know, for me, it was kind of difficult to get really into coding. The intro was pretty easy. Um, I would understand the logic, but once, you know, they had to introduce the logic, deeper logic into it, I was getting lost. Um, I didn't have the patience, you know, one, one character off and the code it would not work so the patient there was um pretty hectic and but you know i was you know i would stay up to like two in the morning trying to figure out the code and once the code was figured out um the satisfaction there was you know greater than um how do i say this it was just it, it was hard to learn at first um but once i got the hang of it um the satisfaction of getting it done that was kind of like driving determination factor for me to keep going what did you like about the classes as you became an upperclassman how did how did those become more challenging but also gratifying as well okay yeah so um at first you're you know getting the general education out the way the the intro to math english um and stuff out the way so that was the easy part and then there was some intro to bio classes. And then within the UIC bioengineering, there's different localized concentrations. So I concentrated in neural engineering. So as I moved up in my upperclassmen, 
my courses were dedicated to that concentration. Um, so it just moved on from, you know, intro to coding, intro to biology, and then moved on to how medical devices get um, manufactured, what's the process of, um, you know, writing up, getting approvals from the FDA. Um, so it was just all types of classes that would interject with each other. Um, we had classes for materials for prosthetics, which materials for prosthetic would suit best. Um, we had um, you know, it was it was a it was just a, one of my classes, my neural engineering classes courses would dedicate itself to how to find non-invasive ways to treat you know, for example, depression or any other type of mental health issue or issues with the brain. Um, so I think for me, it was that broad sense of information that has to do with bioengineering was always something that kept bringing me back to it. It was really intriguing to know that bioengineering is really a bunch of stuff out there that is, you know, used to help the, the community and the people. Why did you choose neural neural engineering? Of because I mean, I imagine there's probably other types of bioengineering, but like, what was it about neuro that you decided to make it your focus? So I th I mainly chose to go neuro so I can kind of learn how the brain works and how the brain works with the rest of the body because our brain our nervous system is you can as an anal analogy it's like an electrical system. Um, the, the nerves send a, you know, action, um, to the rest of the body saying, Hey, this is what you got to do. And then, you know, for example, it sends a, a signal to the finger, the finger sends it back. And it's just that system there. It, it's just, uh, interesting to me, uh, because it relates to prosthetics and how we can unify a biological system with an electrical system, knowing that the biological system acts the same way as the electrical system. You know, you said like you're figuring out how the brain works. Uh, what was like some of the cool epiphanies or kind of like big, big, like breakthroughs? You're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't see that. Like what were uh, the things that really kind of uh, that were in your studies or even now uh, as you're going through this kind of really um, kind of took you back like that's really cool. So I think the fact that uh, how the brain works in itself, the different chemicals that are in the brain and it's, you can portray it with electrical systems in the units. Um, I had one of my projects was um, was with the Venus flytrap and how it closes and how that is similar to how a nervous system reacts to a signal. Um, so that was my project was, um, how do I say this? It was comparing the Venus flytrap, the plant to the, the nervous system of a body. Um, but it's just, to me, it's fascinating how quick the body works, how quick the brain is working, sending signals all around 24 seven since the day, since, you know, bef even before um, you're born.
it, it is there's just so many cool things that i mean and you get to look you look get to look at it through the lens of how there's such a causal relationship between all these things and it's just so cool so did you have any other like internships while you were at uic or would you have any like favorite labs you mentioned that you just did a really cool experiment with a venus flytrap were there any other kind of lab work that you did or internships while you were there so in, in classes I, or during my time at uic i didn't have experienced any internships um a lot of my experience did come from lab and uh courses that related to that uh, to my my bio major courses um so one of my labs was i had to build a um, lie detector like a small diy lie detector using electrical circuits and using a program to determine the input and the output um so what i did with that was a lie detector, basically a common light detector detects the resistance of your skin. Um, and the resistance is caused by water, which is caused by sweating. So it would sense how much uh, moisture was in the skin. So a calm person would have dry skin. Person getting nervous would have more moist skin. So that light detector would basically help determine in the way, uh, oh, this person's telling a lie because he's sweating, he's getting nervous, or if this person's telling the truth, I don't sense any resistance in, in the skin. That's interesting. Now, where's the sensor placed on the body? Is that like on the forehead? I'm like, where, where is the where is the point of skin resistance where that would uh, kind of give you the data that you need? So we use our fingers, our hands, uh, because that's like a big area or you know one of the main areas that starts collecting moisture when you know someone's getting nervous or um you know someone's telling a lie um so for example like i, I get a nervous i'm a little bit nervous right now my hands are getting clammy um so if i had the instrument right now i would say oh you know this person's telling a lie there's we sense moisture um but yeah i mean it's just that was one of the things that kind of helped me, you know, stay true to bioengineering because I know a couple of friends who were thinking of dropping out or they did switch classes, majors. Um, but, you know, this is the type of things that helped me realize, like, this is fun. I like being hands on. I like troubleshooting. And this is, you know, it's always fascinating learning all these types of innovative technologies and knowing that you can build them yourselves. Your senior year, did you have did you have like a senior thesis or project that you had to complete? Yeah, we had a uh, senior senior expo um, where we would have to come up with a medical product or a way of helping someone in need. Um, I believe our project had to do with a uh, child who had cerebral palsy. We had to come up with a way to use their walker. Um, in the sense that it'll help them with their with their disease, um, we did we use using their walker. We we built an attachment to it that will kind of keep their head straight um, because a lot of patients or a lot of people with cerebral palsy, you know, they don't have control of their body. You know, they they have a loss of muscles. Um, their body is weak, uh, but using the um, 
the part that or the device that we were building for them to use as the attachment for the walker that would help the the child regain strength on in the neck um, throughout the years and it was just kind of like a community project and throughout the throughout the semester for the expo we just had to come up with details the for attack on the plan our motives uh, what materials we'll be using in specific dimensions um we would test you know how heavy should should that you know how how much weight can the detachment hold so it was just a bunch of um specifications that we were trying to get before we we showed it off in the expo at the end of the year oh that must have been really that must have been really gratifying to see like a you know something that was really the spirit of bio engineering is to you know elite you know to accomplish a couple of things you know alleviate unnecessary suffering but especially this project where you're able to kind of return strength and dignity to the person who is the patient that would be using this technology what a what a great idea you know for that senior expo that you guys uh, worked on so how did you then uh find, what was your first job uh upon graduation from uic so i got a biomedical engineering technician job uh, in the town of Alsip. Um, that's where I got introduced in troubleshooting and repairing infusion pumps. Um, so in that time, you know, I, I, took up, I took it upon myself to learn the theory behind how the infusion pump works and, you know, what's necessary of, you know, the requirements for an infusion pump. So I look into, um, you know, because with biomedical engineering, you could go into that side of the job where you do repairs and hands-on, or you can go on the side where you work with the manufacturers and do research and development for the design. But that's what I did. I, I just helped uh, our company out, just working on these infusion pumps. And then they work, they were like a third-party company that helps hospitals kind of save money in a sense. Like you don't need to keep buying new infusion pumps we're here you know to verify making sure that these pumps are still running accurately and you know they're still you know being working properly and making sure that the patient safety is first what, so what is that um is that something that you have to work with to, to understand all the different component parts it's interesting you're talking back about how uh, your father was an engineer as well, um, you, you know, where you're able to kind of see the type of breakdown of the component. Did you have to work with the manufacturer and get training from them? Or what was the way in which you were able to kind of really now understand all the components? What are the typical kind of stressors that would cause the infusion, infusion pump not to work uh, and all that? What was the learning curve to really understand how to fix and, and create the optimal experience for uh, this device. Yeah, so yeah, our company would send us training to get trained by the manufacturers. We would break down the device, learn what each device, each device or a lot of devices have computer boards, um, CPUs and all those components. They would show us, okay, if this is going on, this alarm is going off, this sensor is not working, it's due to, you know, this board not working so this is how we kind of do like a reverse engineering kind of thing um so we just work so they would just show us you know if this is the issue this is the solution um 
but then sometimes that solution is not available. So we would have to do critically think, I'm like, okay, we got to find a different way of how this could work out. So um, it was, it was a pretty easy learning curve. I, I would say um, just because the people, the manufacturers already knew what they were doing. So they, they just helped us, um, you know, answer any questions we had. They, I had, I always, I'm the type of person that keeps on asking questions just so I can, not ask them later on um that way you know i just like absorbing knowledge as much as i can how quickly can you determine like okay oh this is a quick fix or oh no this is going to be a minute because i may have to kind of break it apart and, and all that like how what is the the what is the kind of rate of kind of diagnosing uh, the issue where you, you can immediately know, or is this going to be some work? Like what's, what's like, what are, are there some tell, telltale signs that, that you know what to look for now where it's, it's almost, almost too easy, you know, where you can find it, or is it still a mystery machine where it takes a little bit more time to kind of really dig in there and figure out what's wrong with it? If I come across a device I have not seen before, um, I go to the person who, who has more experience with a certain device. So I would go to them, say, hey, from your point of view, what would this be? Um, but for something that I already know, um, it's just, it comes with, it would just come with experience and repetition. And I'm like, oh, I've seen this so many times. I kind of know what the ongoing issue is. Um, but for the turnaround time, as we call it, um, it would just depend on what the person operating the machine says. Cause a lot of times nurses or doctors just say, Hey, this thing's broken. And we were, that kind of defeats our purpose. Like, okay, it's broken. What is broken? Like, you know, if they don't tell us what's broken, then we will have to go into it, break it apart down even more. Um, but if they do say it's like, Oh, we believe, you know, for example, a centrifuge is not running at maximum speed as it should. Okay, that helps me know that it might be the motor inside that's acting up or the, the board connected to the motor. Um, so it's just it just also depends on, on the other side of the device, you know, the user. If, if the user is pr programming it right or, you know, any information that they give us is, you know, it's it's helpful for us. What's a typical day like for you? Like, what are the hours like um, when you show up to work? Is it, are there times where you have to like, is there, is there, is there other shifts or is it kind of a nine to five arrangement? What's, what's a typical day like for you? So yeah, it's a uh, Monday to Friday, nine to five um, kind of get going on. I go into the hospital. I, you know, my manage, previous manager was always kind of into a routine. So he kind of made us do a routine checklist, check your emails, um, check any previous devices that need to be worked on. Um, and then throughout the day, I would just get tick, uh, I would get calls from the nurses or doctors. Um, hey, this device is not working. Can you take a look at it? Um, and then if the, the day is not too busy, I, you know, a lot of the times I walk around the hospital, going into patient rooms, making sure the equipment's uh, working properly, even though a nurse or a doctor has not said anything, because we're assigned certain departments. Um, I go into a cardiology clinic, 
I look into all those type of EKG machines. Um, so making sure all of these monitors are working properly, even though they don't require me to be there. I just try to, you know, show phase, making sure I, you know, I like to network. So network is really important. And I feel so the more frequent people see you, um, the more comfortable they are knowing that, hey, this person knows their job and they know what they're doing. Um, and it's just like kind of a reputation thing. What would be the percentage of, do you think that you're, of what you're doing, which is fixing it after it broke or how much of it is actually trying to do the preventative care uh, of the uh, of the devices prior to anything happens? So I think maybe 40% of the time we'll be repairing and troubleshooting. Um, 20% would just document our work um, just so we can have a paper trail of what we did, what we saw, um, what the nurses and doctors reported. Um, and basically, and then the rest of that is just uh, talking to them, letting, letting them know, hey, this is what's going on. It's fixable. It's not fixable. Um, and then I'll, uh, we also talk to the manufacturers. We get their, their help and resources if we need to. Um, that way we can work on other devices while a certain device uh, gets worked on by them. Do you have any sense of like what would be a uh, an improvement upon these devices where like you where you would see there would be less of issue X that's occurring? Like, are you already kind of as as the as the bioengineer, you're like, you know, maybe next time they do version 2.0 of this, this is what they should do. Like, can you can you see kind of different kind of like faults in the design already because you've been around it so often? Oh, yeah, there's. We are my coworkers and I are always joking around. I'm like, why don't they do this? Or we, this can be improved on this model. Um, but as you know, technology is always evolving. And next thing you know, there comes a model that has what we asked for. And but now the thing is, is does a hospital need it? Um, we got to get trained on the new model. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It's, it comes across quite often, you know, showing like, hey, this could be a little bit lighter, it's too heavy or it's too chunky or, you know, it's too, the, the housing of the device is too fragile. Maybe they need to use a different composite of materials. Bruno, what do you think, where do you see yourself in maybe in five, 10 years uh, in, in your career? So currently my company right now, it's a... It's a third-party company. We're contracted by the hospital, um, but they have a department uh, for imaging engineers. So those are the people that work with MRIs, CAT scans, x-ray machines. Um, and I think right now I see myself as working on those machines because that's actually like the first thing I researched was, oh, who's someone that can fix an MRI machine after I graduated high school? And that was something that, you know, was cross-referenced in my search with, you know, my family background. Um, so I was like, okay, like, you know, it was kind of like destiny. So I'm trying to just maybe follow this path that I'm meant to be in and maybe kind of close a full circle and work on imaging uh, devices because that's like the one of my initial thought that led me to this path that I'm on.
have you got to work with any of the the neural imaging? Because uh, you said you're interested. In it. Did, you, did you do any of that with your your undergrad? Where where you were kind of uh, adjacent to that? Uh, no, not really. Um, a lot of the my courses with neural engineering was just kind of knowing how the brain works and how it relates to electrical system. And then we did a bunch of uh, we read uh, we read a lot of research on different devices that that helped the community, the neural um, disorder community. So it was just uh, like deep brain stimulations. There's electrodes. There's ways of treating Alzheimer's disease with biomedical devices. What was like some of your more, like what's a successful approach to like really understanding or learning how you study like what like what was your best like study hack where you're like okay now i now i get this like what's what was your best approach to learning something i think is repetition for sure repetition is really helpful um i i took a bunch of math classes and science classes and that kind of helped me going away thinking wise okay if i can do this problem i can do it again but word it differently so it was just repeating the similar problems but different numbers different values um and it was just a that process of repetition knowing if you did it once you can do it again but try it in a different angle bruno this has been really this has been so fascinating i just i love everything that what you're you're doing here it's so just the I love thinking how other people think that aren't like me. You know, as an English teacher, I'm, you know, thinking about you know why would Gatsby do that? Or something <laughs> like that? So, you know, but so when I get to talk to engineer and kind of get into the minds of someone who's different than me, I learned so much. I was wondering as I end the interview if you could um, tell me what's what are some tips for success that you could tell current Wildcats? Um, perseverance. You know, keep going. Um, there was a poem that throughout uh, college that I would repeat myself. It was a, uh, um, a don't quit poem basically. Um, and I think it starts something with like, if, um, Oh, I forgot what the name of is, but it was, yeah, it's basically don't quit. Um, life has its twists and turns. Um, it's up and down, but as long as you just keep your head up and know, you know, because a lot of people are still finding their purpose and whatnot, um, just know that, you know, good things will come if you keep your head up and and just keep moving forward and don't quit. Yeah, I love that. The uh, there's so many, there's so many just great literature and poems out there that echo that. That's so great. So. Listen, man, this has been great, and uh, I look forward to see. Uh, uh, you'll have to we'll have to get you uh, interview again when you're working on that neural imager. That'll be fun. For sure, for sure. I, I I mean, I can always send an email, or you know, one. My younger brother is currently a, a, a he's in high school. He's a sophomore in high school, so I mean, he'll probably hear from me um, about you know bragging about this and whatnot. You will. I'll put it in announcements. I'll make sure he hears it. <laughs> that would be great. So, Bruno, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you, Mr. Turnbaugh. It was my pleasure. Um, and, you know, from the Wildcats out there, uh, good luck. And remember, don't quit. Thanks for listening. 
Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search We Go Vox. That's We Go V O X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at We Go Places Podcast or on Twitter at We Go Places. Mm-hmm.